Hello, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you guys are today. My name is Terrence Fox, Head of Innovation with iAdvise. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have an awesome, awesome live stream planned for you today. Uh, and our goal with these sessions to take a step back was to have short, insightful, impactful conversations with thought leaders in the CX space. And uh, we are fulfilling our promise today for sure. Um, but the idea is we didn't want to have a generic webinar style format. And this live stream is meant to be truly that, a live stream of authenticity, of expertise in the space. And we've been grateful to see our viewership grow over the last few weeks. Um, and of course, I have my entire marketing team to thank, uh, Captain by Fritz Lauer for that effort. So back to today, in times of incredible uncertainty in the retail space, uh, we look to beacons of light as we uh, find our way across these tumultuous seas in the retail space. And I say tumultuous, but obviously it's a time of great opportunity for brands today. So it's no secret, we've got Shep Hyken back there waiting for me to, to shut up and introduce him. Uh, but before I do, it's important to, of course, take a, a moment to reflect on who Shep is in the customer experience space. Uh, so I believe he's been starting, he's been doing this since 1983, and I'll have him correct me. But he's a New York Times and Wall Street Journal best, uh, uh, excuse me, best-selling author. Yes, I was right in saying that. Uh, author of Amaze Every Customer Every Time, Moments of Magic, The Loyal Customer, uh, The Cult of the Customer, and several others. But he's a customer service and experience expert. And we're thrilled to have Shep here with us today. Shep, can you hear me? I can hear you. I can okay. hear you. And uh, what a beacon of hope, tumultuous times. Uh, the rhetoric is wonderful. Yeah, Good job. I'm doing my best, Jeff, you know. I have to have to earn my paycheck a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, so thank you so much for joining. And uh, before we get started, get us inside of Shep's head. What are you reading yeah. lately? What are you learning? What are you trying to learn? Wow. You know what? <laughs> it's funny. I've got books right here. Aside from my own books, uh, this is a cool book that just came out. Friday Forward, I've been getting this guy's emails. Uh, his name's Robert Glazer. And I've been getting his emails, I don't know, for maybe two years or so. And I guess he put a bunch of them in a book. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to support this guy. It's a great little book on just uh, weekly motivation. And then something that has always fascinated me is subscription models. Uh, because I think they're great for recurring revenue in business, but they're also great uh, as a customer experience uh, type yeah. of uh strategy. And this is by Robbie Kelman Baxter, uh, The Forever Transaction. Um, and what intrigues me about this is that I believe even if you're not in the subscription business, you want people to come back and do business with you again and again. Right. Uh, it may not be the cadence of weekly or monthly, you know, type of payments or, but it's renewal. It's renewal of getting somebody to come back. And so uh, anyway, I'm fascinated by this. It's a very good book. Actually, I think this is I try to create books of the year. Like I want 10 of them at the end of the year so I can write my top 10 list. This is going on it. Forever, I think Friday Forward may go on it too. So. Okay. so now I know and now I have something to read. We are in the, uh, we have a big I advise book club, but I can suggest that one and pretend it was mine. Oh, well, if, in that case, just get one of my books. <laughs> right. Any of those. Uh, we don't have enough time for that, Shep. <laughs> Too many. Um, Shep, so... 
One thing I like to ask, because I think it reveals, of course, possible weaknesses and what we're seeing in the space today. Um, but of course, a bit more about who you are as a consumer. Um, tell us about a particularly memorable or poor customer experience, whether I guess good or bad that you've had lately. Lately. Wow. Um, you know, <laughs> I so here's my problem. Everywhere I go, I analyze good or bad because that's what I do for a living. It's like, you know, uh, I can't go out and just enjoy the evening. But yeah. uh, I'll tell you, there's a great little restaurant here in town right around the corner from where we live. It's called Posteria. I live in St. Louis. And uh, I'm fairly regular there because we when we go out, we start walking and we say, let's just go to the first restaurant that has an open seat outside. Okay, yeah. And so we just make our way around. And so we've been eating at this restaurant, obviously, since it really started. We've loved it. But um the other day I stopped by, so you have, I see open tables and oh, those are all reservations. Okay, great. We'll catch you, you know, another day later in the week. And I'm walking away and the manager comes running after me. Nobody can turn you away. You come here too often. And she sat me down and it just made me feel really special. Uh, I, by the way, wasn't looking for any special treatment, but the fact that she said, that's one of her regular customers, we're going to find a place for them. Yeah, and yeah. and that's, that's what happened. I really enjoyed that. And I had no idea that the manager actually noticed me ever. You know? right. um, yeah, that's nice. That, that, that's that undying loyalty that you'll now have, and you'll seek that spot out again in the future. Uh, yep. And uh, we went back there the other night and can't wait to go back again. <laughs> <laughs> I love pasta. So, uh, Shep, I actually yeah. had one that I'll share with you, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you're a biker. I'm a biker. Uh, I'm getting back into biking. I can okay. see myself. Let's make sure we... Uh, not motorcyclist. Yeah, it's a cyclist. Cyclist. A I know you were at Sturgis, Ship. Uh, um, I recently had a, a poor experience that I thought was pretty interesting uh, in that I purchased an item online. I was, I'm essentially buying a new wheel and I need a new helmet. Uh, you might not be able to see it through the video, uh, Shep, but I have a giant Scandinavian head. So buying a helmet is a huge pain for me. Um, you need I, a huge helmet. Yeah, exactly. It's like a prescription-sized helmet, almost like a compound bucket that needs to be cut around and fit on my head. So uh, nonetheless, I finally found one online. I made the purchase dead quiet from there. I received a confirmation email. Uh, I checked in two weeks later because I noticed my helmet still wasn't here. And I found myself as the consumer quickly getting frustrated. Why am I following up with you? You should right. be following up with me. Mm -hmm. um, and needless to say, I probably won't lead with buying from that place again. Very frustrating. So one of the things we talk about, uh, I, I write about, I wrote a book about a year and a half ago called The Convenience Revolution, actually coming up on almost two years now. And one of the ideas is to reduce friction. And that's a perfect example. And so people say, or, or executives say, how do we start looking at ways to create convenience? Right. And I say, well, uh, you need to, first of all, journey map the heck out of the frontline or, or top line experience that the customer has. That's a starting point because you got to look for all the interaction points. But before you even do that, I want you to sit down with a group of people and I want you to write up a list on a big whiteboard of all the companies you love doing business with. And by the way, we're talking retail, restaurants, business to business, manufacturers, whoever you love doing business with, and write down the reasons why. Now, if you were to write down, uh, like, who do you think the easiest company in the world to do business with is? Um, it's the unfortunate answer, but it's Amazon. 
It's Amazon. I, mean, I don't know if it's unfortunate or not, but it's true. One right. of the things that Amazon has programmed you to accept is that they inform you every step of the way. Your order was placed. You get an email. The order was shipped. You get an email with the tracking information. And oftentimes today, you even get an email when it arrives with a picture of whatever the box looks like leaning up against your door or, you know, on the back porch. And Shep, I've even seen recently notifications that, hey, your order is three stops away, approximately 11 minutes. They'll, they'll yeah, be yeah. That's yeah. what you and, and how about this notification? We dropped off your order two hours ago. We noticed that it's now 60 miles away. Spe no, it's, yeah, right. <laughs> but it's, no, seriously, seriously, you enjoy that confirmation experience. Information right. is key. So you get that bike helmet that you bought and, and you, you purchase it and you know it's been shipped and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and they're not informing and you're used yes. to that experience with another online retailer. What happens? You've not compared, and maybe that online retailer doesn't sell bike helmets. They're not even a competitor. All right. But you're comparing your experience with that company to one that's not even a competitor. That's real important. But the point of this is look for what you love in these different companies and say, can we do any of that? So we learned a long time ago that when we ship a book out, even if it's just one book from us, if they don't buy it from Amazon, they're, they're calling us to buy it. Yeah. And we let them know it shipped out. We give them the tracking information. We're not as sophisticated as Amazon and can't track it and automate that process. But then again, we don't have millions of orders a day. Right. So what we do is we look at it. Yeah. We send the client an email. We notice that, you know, Bob, Sally, whomever uh, signed for your purchase. Um, if, if you, you know, we'd love to get your feedback and hear what you, you like about the book, you know. And now it's like now we've just said thank you again. We've shown them it's arrived and we're proactive because there's several times that I received an email, where's my book? And I was thinking, it's a month after they bought it. Didn't we follow up? No, we didn't have a system in place. Well, now we do. Yeah. And, you know, you can't have uh, those periods of minimum communication where the, the customer now is reflecting on their purchase, reflecting on their experience. If you are giving that proactive engagement, of course, that drives the reassurance in their, in their purchase. Yep. Uh, which is extremely important. Shep, so you this is real general, high-level, uh, non-sophisticated information, but I urge you to not be like distracted by how simple these ideas are because yep. they're the difference makers in that customer experience front line. That's a very nice quote, Shep. I like that. Um, you recently Tweet wrote, it. Yeah, you, <laughs> you recently wrote... Uh, and we'll actually include the tweet at yell at the end of the quote, too. Um, <laughs> you recently wrote about installing confidence in, in your buyers and installing confidence in the buyer's journey. And I think it was a Forrester survey where they took a look at what Uber and Lyft did compared to a taxi right. cab. Right, and right. Yep. The, the description you provided in the, I think this was on a Forbes uh, release recently, is, you know, you, you said, I take a taxi, I sit outside. It said it'd be here in 15 minutes, and then another 15 minutes goes by. I'm extremely frustrated. And what Uber and Lyft did by just showing you on a map where the car is and how far away it is, that gives a sense of power and control mm -hmm. to the consumer right. and, of course, installs that confidence, much like the example we were just sharing before about the bike helmet. Knowing where it is, knowing when it's coming, that's important. Yep. And so uh, I'll give you another example. And that, that that's all part of the convenience revolution. They reduced Uber and Lyft reduced friction 
when they said, hey, you no longer, and by the way, I lived in the suburbs at the time and I'd have to call for a cab. Today, yeah. I live in an urban area and I just walk out and there's cab stands everywhere. But uh, back then I called. Well, they eliminated the phone call. Uh, they gave me the information about the weight. They eliminated me having to tell the driver where to go because I put it in ahead of time. They eliminated yeah. me having to actually take money out of my pocket and pay at the end of the trip. I just walk out. That's their system. I mean, the only thing they didn't eliminate was the actual drive, which, right. you know, I think I ended that article with like, you know, one day we'll be in that Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty or whatever, and we can transport ourselves. Yeah. Uh, but that's the idea. And giving people information, uh, which is where, you know, the original uh, thought direction we were going here is key. So if you may have experienced before, I I do it, you know, I, up until recently, I traveled every single week to some yeah you know, far away place. And I'd sit in an airport and there are many times that I've noticed, you know what, the plane's not here yet. And I know it takes 20 minutes to get people off the plane. Then they clean the plane. And then it takes about 30 minutes to load people on, maybe a little less. That plane, our plane's going to be late because that, you know, the plane coming in is not here yet. But the gate agent who is sitting at the gate, standing at the gate, by the way, probably answering the question, where is the plane to many people has not picked up the microphone and made the announcement. And I think to myself, if all this gate agent did was say, hey, everybody, maybe you've noticed the plane's not here yet. Here's why. It's running about 20 minutes late. We're going to land. We're going to turn it around. We could be leaving here within five or 10 minutes after the original, you know, departure time if we all do our job. So just sit back, relax. If there's any other updates, I'll let you know. You just gave everybody the information and the confidence to know everything's fine. And uh, we're all good at that point. So Shep, let's take this online. Uh, and you mentioned giving the information that's needed. Uh, we've got some questions, so this is good. We'll, we'll get to this after. Um, yep. But um, giving the information that's needed. If we look at the online experience, I frequently talk with my clients, and I know you've written about this too, the disconnect between the in-store and the online experience and what yep. that means for the consumer. Um, in my opinion, too many websites today uh, have one of two solutions. It's two, not solution, I won't call it, but they have either a brochure where they essentially just let the visitor browse at their own will. It would be like walking into a shop where you can't talk to anyone, uh, but can't take any products or touch and feel them either. Uh, or the other option is the automation, the ubiquitous experience of being connected to uh, either AI um, I also read your recent work about uh, calling to speak on an automated system and the frustration that creates. But talk to me about where you think there's a big opportunity to provide that information online. And, and I guess as a second point is, what are you seeing some major brands do today as we head into Q4? Sure. So uh, the ones that get it right are getting it right unbelievably well. Uh, they start out with a, perhaps something as simple as a chat bot where Uh, You just type in your question about whatever item you're looking at on that page. And AI can answer many of those questions. But the cool cool thing is, is when AI is smart enough to recognize I'm not answering the question, the customer's response tells me they're confused. I'm just going to seamlessly move this to a live agent. Right. The customer never knows other than it just takes the live agent a little longer to type than the artificial intelligence bot does. But really what it does is it's creating this seamless uh, transfer to a human. 
And uh, that, that takes the digital to the personal and the human experience. And then it gets the, the questions answered correctly. And if necessary, that agent who's now dealing directly with the customer can say, are you near a phone? Can I call you or can we call you right. or can you call us? And uh, we'll just continue this conversation. Or maybe uh, that agent can direct that customer say, you know what? I know what your question's about. Here's a link to a video, not just only on our website, but maybe it's on YouTube. So the rest of the world can see how to properly use the product. But now I'm training my customers to not only uh, you know, use our bot if necessary, but we're training them how to get their questions answered without having to call us. And yeah. by the way, a video, even though you would say, well, that's a digital experience, there's a pretty good chance there's a human being on that video teaching something, a voice of some kind. And now you're, it is a bit of a human experience, even though it's video based. Right. And um, that's a very good point. It, it, you know, Shep, our mission and effort at iAdvise is to humanize that digital experience because like you mentioned in your work, uh, I am one of those people that press zero a hundred times in a row to try and actually get a human being. And, instead. And you scream, you know, uh, agent representative. Yeah. And I think you, you have a good picture of a skeleton resting its head on a phone. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, you've read a lot of my work. Yeah, Not enough of the books yet. You've got too many. Um, but I just, I find that so interesting because it's obviously needed, right? As we head into Q4, we've got reduced foot traffic, um, and a general hesitancy. A lot of my clients are seeing people are actually writing them on the website to say, is it safe to come to the store? Yep. So because of that, we need to make sure we have that human touch, uh, but also a helpful touch online. It couldn't just be, uh, someone reading product specs. You need that expertise that you have in store. Right. So the key uh, to that is to ask the customer the right questions. I'm writing an article that you haven't read yet because it's not going to come out for a couple of weeks, but it's on customer disservice. Um, a friend who's been, you know, he's just a subscriber to my newsletter. Uh, he is always sending me stories. And every once in a while, he'll send me one that like, wow, this is a great one. And he said that the other day he received a package, didn't know it was there. It was between his screen door and his front door mm -hmm. and the package had medication that was temperature sensitive and it baked in the heat that particular day yeah. why didn't the driver just ring the doorbell or knock on the door and by the way i've seen it many many times where the driver rings a doorbell and then heads back to the car or, right. or their truck i'm okay with that that's perfectly fine but when they don't ring the doorbell how hard is that to do you know right. It's and so he, he made the comment, this isn't customer service, it's customer disservice. And I went, I love that. I'm gonna write about it. <laughs> and basically, disservice is when you take a shortcut or don't or, or don't do a step that's probably important to the customer. You're not keeping your eye on the ball. And and that's exactly what happens when we don't uh when we choose to make it hard for you, uh, when you're constantly having to scream agent, agent, or push zero to get out of the queue. Right. Um you know, you're you're really doing the customer a disservice by making it hard for them to do business with you. Right. And a uh, small anecdote on my side, I actually have a little Italian neighbor um, who delivers homemade goods to our house and puts them in her mailbox. And it was great until she started bagging pudding and putting it in our mailbox, which, as you can imagine, over the summer months, you don't have much time. before You, you don't like warm food. pudding? Yeah, warm, hot pudding, fresh from the oven that is your mailbox in the middle of July. Um, 
Chef, before we get to the questions, because I know we're, we're getting towards the end of our time, talk to me a little bit about personalized service versus personalized marketing. I think it's a, an important differentiator. And when I, uh, of course, with my work, I'm focused on giving one-to-one -one engagements at scale for website. Mm -hmm. It yep. has to be unique. You have to have authenticity and you have to have the expertise for their need. Sure. Um, tell me a little bit about your opinion on that and, and why you wrote sure. about it. Yeah. And there's several ways we can go on this, but to me, personalized service and the whole concept of personalization is oh. to make your customers feel like uh, you, that you as a company understand them. Okay. Uh, so I'll use Nike as my favorite example of this. If you decide to get into Nike's system with your email and get information, they know what you like to buy. So if I'm only buying running shoes, they're not going to sell me basketball shoes, soccer shoes. Right. They're not going to send me that that information. Um, and by the way, if they notice I start buying, of course they will. So that's personalized marketing at scale. You're looking at different personas, and I think it works very, very well. The personalized service is, and if you want to look at it as I react to you, you call me, and I've always talked about knowledge is really important. Everyone thinks it's as a customer service rep, you need to have knowledge of your products, knowledge of how to flip through screens to get to the information. Right. But just as important, maybe even more so, is knowledge of your customer. And there's no excuse in today's technologically advanced world not to be able to pull up the profile of your customer. And number one, recognize their buying patterns, what they bought last, what they asked about last, make a comment about it if you want. But with a large enough customer base, and I know what I advise, you have a huge, uh, you have some huge, huge customers, huge in, in the world of retail and, and selling to consumers, which I love. You can match that customer up with thousands of other customers to the point where you can even predict what the next question that customer is going to have that they've not even thought about yet. I mean, it's pretty uncanny. That's an extreme level of personalization. And so uh, I believe when you do that, you endear yourself to the customer even more so because people like to know, uh, like like the movie, or not the movie, the TV show, not too far from where you live right now. I think you live about 40 miles from Boston. But in the 1980s, there was a little bar in Boston called Cheers. And everybody liked to go there because that's where everybody knew your name which is a great metaphor for we like to do business with people that know our name, know who we are, know what we buy, you know, our, and anything else that's relevant to me doing business with them. So uh, that's that's it in a nutshell. I mean, the, the old saying, people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. The knowing and liking is easy, but trust comes from creating that connection. And if you can personalize and experience, you're further along in that connection of trust. Right. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. That trust and that emotion that naturally surrounds that trust uh, will keep you going back to your favorite bike shop, your favorite restaurant. Um, I have an undying loyalty to Patagonia because I know they do good things. Yep. And know that they make good products and, and, and are very sustainable uh, as far as a company and their effort. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of uh, emotion that's created, that brand saliency, drives consumers and, of course, drives them for repeat purchases and uh, that subscription type model you were mentioning before. Yep. Yep. And so I, and the subscription model, most people think it's especially I advise is probably a, a SaaS yep. company. Yeah. So it's a subscription based service. However, Patagonia is not. By the way, I love that you are connect, committed to them because of their sustainability 
and what they do in the community. Because when you have a cause, customers, many of them will come to you just because you're involved with that cause. But right. anyway, I, I, I mean, here I am, back squirrel. <laughs> but subscription model. Even though Patagonia, you're not going to say, hey, every year I buy a new fleece jacket from Patagonia, whether I need it or not. It's, that's not the way it happens. Right. But at a certain point, you decide to renew your relationship with them by buying something else. And that's why the advantage of a traditional renewal uh, type of business or, or a subscription business is that on a regular basis, you're receiving their product or using their services. With Patagonia, there's no regularity to it. And um, so they have to do something in between your purchase and the next time you purchase to keep you interested in them. It could be what they're all about, their cause. It could be they send you the right promotions that are all about you and you get it. And so they're doing that to make sure that you renew with them the next time you need what it is that they sell. So, uh, Shep, I've already stolen you for 27 minutes. Uh, We need to get to q and I think we had one. Come in, Fritz. Fritz, did uh, could you put some questions up for us? Okay. I mm-hmm. I'll read it for you, Shep. I'll pretend you can't read for a moment. Uh, I think this is my daughter. <laughs> bad experience with receiving my textbooks and class readings. Two weeks into the semester, and it's making it hard to do assignments, and I, and I have no idea or updates on where my books are. Uh, so obviously very similar to me buying that oversized prescription mm-hmm. helmet for my head. Uh, you know, to not have the communication or not to be proactive turns everyone away. Yep. So I jokingly said my daughter actually, I think, is having the same experience that one of her textbooks. Actually, most of the class has not been able to get their textbook for the class Mm -hmm. uh, she's in. She's uh, just started law school up at Brooklyn Law. So Mm -hmm. anyway, um, so here's what as a consumer, I would be talking to them and I'd say cancel the order redo the order and overnight me the book, right. period, the end. If it's an issue of supply, find another uh, supplier. And guess what? Uh, I'm talking about the company. Company, right. find another supplier if you care about this customer and buy it on behalf of the customer and, and send it to them. Plenty of stories of, of like Nordstrom saying, we don't have that shirt, we're out of it, but are you going to be shopping for a little while? Come back here in a half an hour. And that salesperson goes to the other side of the mall, buys a shirt from a competitor, the one that the customer wants, brings it back and sells it. Because the idea is you're, as a customer, you're more important to me than your money. You're as a person, you're more important to me than your money. Because if I take care of you as a person, the money's going to follow. So right. that's, a, that's a lot more information. <laughs> the, yeah. but, the, but the issue with the textbook, uh, you know, that's, that's a perfect example. Just yesterday, I had a virtual assistant send me a link to a sizing chart when I asked for help to pick out a backpack and was hoping to get transferred to a person. So this looks like uh, obviously reflecting on that virtual assistant and that sort of engagement. Um, You know, Shep, you mentioned before the need to pass seamlessly to a human without it kind of clunky. Uh, It seems like obviously in this instance, there was a desire, but they did not do that. Right. So number one is, is you, if you don't make it seamless, make it easy. So just, you know, if you'll notice, uh, since we're talking retail and online, if you go to Zappos.com, there's a phone number on virtually every single page. And yeah. they are an online company that provides a phone number. And I can't remember what the exact number is, but actually a substantial percentage uh, 
a surprisingly high percentage based on them being an online company uh, has human to human interaction over the phone. I think mm. it's like 15, 18%, something like that. That's very high for an online company, but they make it easy and it's not seamless because it is automatically, you've got to pick up the phone, but they make it so easy by giving you the number on every page. You don't have to search for the information. Right. Um, Fritz, any more questions today? Okay, I've had a terrible experience right now in healthcare. It's impossible to book an appointment with my regular physician or any others. The alternative is to go wait two hours at a local urgent care center. So, go ahead, Fritz. Yep. Wow. Well, first of all, uh, you know, let's talk about convenience. Can I go online and can I open up uh, an, uh, a, you know, on their website in a portal, a patient portal? So I put my password, all that in there. And now can I make an appointment? Can I see what appointments are available? Okay, mm -hmm. that's the first step. If I see there's nothing available and I pick up the telephone and I call my doctor and my, and you know, I need to go see the doctor, but maybe it's time to find a new doctor. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, can they, can they somehow work me in? Uh, people are canceling all the time. I'm sure there's, there's some type of a relationship there. You know, absence that, spending two hours going to the urgent care, Probably not what my desire would be, but given the fact that we've got an iPhone uh, or any type of mobile phone, a computer with, uh, you know, uh, why not just realize this is what I have to do? However, medis medicines become advanced, especially during the pandemic. We've been forced to have uh, non-physical uh, visits. It's all done digitally. Uh, let me, you know, uh, turn on my webcam or oh, take my phone and go up to them and go, ah, what do you see? Talk to my doc you know, uh, via Zoom or other type of, of communication. There's lots of ways to manage an experience today that we couldn't do 10 or 15, 20 years ago. There's no excuse for the experience that you're having. One of the reasons, by the way, I chose the doctor that I have, uh, actually I chose the dentist I have years ago. And by the way, I go to a boutique doctor, which means I pay for the privilege of never having to wait. But my dentist is just a regular dentist. Yep. And this is what he told me, I don't know, 30 plus years ago when I started going to him. He says, Shep, you will never wait more than 10 minutes. I promise you that. I promise you that. And you know what? And I go like clockwork every six months plus whenever I need to go for whatever reason. I've never, ever waited more than five or 10 minutes. And he promises me that. I think that's a pretty good promise. How do you do that? You manage the office well. You realize you're not going to overbook. By the way, that's what a lot of doctors do. Uh, I love it when I ask to, can I get the first appointment? And they do. Give me the first appointment with five other people. All right. Yep. Um, okay, Fritz, any more questions? That's all. It was an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you for making the time and thank you for going a few minutes over. Uh, it's easy to get caught on tangents with you because, you know, your, your understanding and wisdom in the CX space is invaluable. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Terrence. Thanks for having me. And uh, come back anytime. Just let yeah. me know. Invite me to something that you're doing sometime, Shep. Let's How about, what are you doing this afternoon? Uh, I can clear my schedule as needed. All right. Four yeah. o'clock Eastern time. Customer service, um, uh, customer amazement summit.com. Oh, that's right. And it's free. Did I say free? Yes. And we've got uh, 10 speakers that are going to be doing short, uh, I'm interviewing them 10 to 15 minutes long each interview. I guarantee my goal was one or two nuggets in each interview. So there's, regardless of the kind of business you're in, something yeah, yeah. to do. So 
There you go. Absolutely. My my un what did I say? My unabashed plug or whatever. Yeah, and, and where do they no no dash in it? No, just uh, uh, so just www.customeramazementsummit.com. And it's at four Eastern. There. Yep, four Eastern, uh, three Central, one Pacific. And if you're on the other side of the world, you have to figure it out. Yeah, Shep, and I wish you could see my notebook. I'm trying to write with my opposite hand to make sure I do show up. Uh, but <laughs> thank you so much for joining with us. Hey, thanks for having me here. Thank you. Absolutely. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Fritz, I know next week we're preparing for uh, Brian, excuse me, I want to make sure, yes, okay, Colin Shaw, actually, the top 150 business influencers as awarded by LinkedIn recently. It was a pleasure having Shep here. We've got Colin Shaw next week. Uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe, follow, everything you can do for this if it's been valuable for you in any way. And of course, feel comfortable asking additional questions. We will address those and try and make sure Shep does also if, if you're viewing this at a later time. Thank you all for your time today.